healthcare. We've all had our own experiences of it. No one can say they've not had some kind of experience of healthcare in their lifetime. I'm stating the obvious there, but bear with me. One thing we also all have in common as well outside of healthcare is that we're all consumers of things, consumers of products, services, widgets, and doodads. In a consumer-led world, the timeless piece of advice always is the customer is always right. And in this consumer-led world that we live in, how much of those consumer expectations have migrated across to healthcare? Well, in today's episode, we're going to be exploring this and many more concepts with none other than Klaus Bartosz from First Group. Klaus previously appeared on the podcast back in February of this year, episode 109. So today we're going to check in and find out what's changed since we last caught up, consumer expectations of healthcare, how to approach innovation in health, and dive into that good old question, is healthcare broken and can technology fix it? Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Klaus Bartosz, CEO and co-founder of First Group, the company behind myhealthfirst.com.au, which is the healthcare marketplace and patient engagement platform. Klaus is an experienced technology expert with loads of experience in healthcare, e-commerce, and online business. Hey, Klaus, how are you doing? Pete, I'm doing well. Good to chat with you again, buddy. Thanks so much for making the time on the show. We caught up in February of this year. It feels like it was ages ago, but it, it, it turns out it wasn't that long ago. But I'm going to say that a few things have happened between when we last spoke and now. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, building and growing your own company as a founder certainly presents you with interesting obstacles, challenges, and changes that you sometimes expect and sometimes don't. And regaining control of the company that you had founded becomes a rather other interesting aspect of what sometimes needs to be done. But hey, the good news, Pete, is that I'm still here with a new board now and driving some pretty interesting changes not only within our company, but I think more importantly for and across the healthcare industry. And that's what I'm really excited about and what I'm very much focused on. Excellent. It's a good scene setter. Look, the question that we pose for this particular episode is, is healthcare broken? So I'm interested in your thoughts in the answer to that question, is healthcare broken? Yeah. So let me pose two interesting observations about healthcare. It is an entirely reactive industry. You are sick, feeling unwell, have an issue, and you need to decide whether you need to go and see someone about that. And typically, you wait and wait and wait for a range of reasons. And the bigger part of the reason is that the process of actually knowing what to do, who to speak to, and how to take action is made difficult and made difficult by the fact that as consumers, the way in which we need to interact with our healthcare services is demonstrably difficult. The expression I use that I think help explains the point is that all of the things that we do as consumers and the way in which we engage with healthcare has not fundamentally changed in a century. Let me just pause there for a moment and let that point sink in. Hasn't fundamentally changed in a century. Sure. 
the telephone has gotten smarter, ability to dial a number, but the way we engage with our healthcare providers, the process, the journey, the book an appointment, the go and show up, the sit down and wait to see your doctor, the walk in the treatment room, you come out, you pay, you leave. You then have to go to a pharmacy and collect your prescriptions, you collect them, you go and leave. That experience, that journey, that process hasn't actually changed in a century, Pete. Like, for God's sake, think about it. And I think part of the reason is that while the industry has been phenomenally good at, I think, utilising technology to improve the delivery of medical services in terms of the radiology systems we use today, the pathology systems that are being used, the kind of technology behind the engine room, that those businesses use the AI that's now evolving, like IBM Watson, as an example, are delivering amazing changes. But the consumer process, the experience we have, is still as non-transparent, clumsy, cumbersome and difficult as ever. And yet, we as consumers today expect everything to be approved by the internet, and yet what we do as consumers fundamentally isn't. I mean, fax machines are still used extensively by the healthcare industry. Even within the same hospital, they fax each other from location to location. So is healthcare broken? I think from a consumer perspective, it is. It's an industry that isn't focused on driving the right outcome. It's an industry focused on responding to a symptom. And I think that creates a very interesting kind of case. I mean, I another kind of simple analogy I would use is that the healthcare providers, they don't call us customers, they call us patients. And as a result of them not calling us customers, I think it leads to them not thinking hard enough about the customer journey, the customer experience, the kind of thing you want as a consumer, and the kind of things you expect as a consumer when you're now online. I mean, we all or navigate away from an online shop if the online shop browsing experience is rubbish, if the online purchasing experience is rubbish, or if when I go to click to pay, the payment system falls over. We move, we go elsewhere. I think that's coming in healthcare in a big way, and the changes that are occurring, I think, are a really important part of that. So, yeah, I think from a consumer perspective, it's broken because there's so much that could be done that would improve for life for the consumer that's not yet being fully exploited. And I think therein lies the opportunity for health tech, right? Yeah, I'm interested in the, the why behind that too, because you touch on a really good point about we're not necessarily in this episode talking about the technology behind, like you say, the delivery of healthcare, the engine room, as it were, as you mentioned. We're talking about the experience for a customer or a patient in that language. How important is it that these things are actually done though? Because in the end, someone who might be on the other side might say, well, you know what? It's not about the experience. In the end, if people are healthier at the end of receiving care from a clinician, then isn't that the most important thing? Is that not the most important thing? I don't think they are healthier and I don't think they're happier. And I think Therein lies the interesting question is that the presumption is we are. The truth, I think, is quite the opposite. We aren't. But because the industry operates the way it does, we simply accept it as it is the way it is. And that's increasingly unacceptable. There's so much evidence about the fact that as consumers, if we don't take action early when a symptom first presents, a downstream impact on you individually and personally can be quite profound. 
poor healthcare outcomes, poor cost outcomes, poor mental health outcomes. And so how do we change that? How do we change that whole experience so that the consumer is able to be in more control? I mean, I use another analogy that I'm sure you've heard me talk about. I don't think it was in the previous podcast, but anything's possible, which is this idea that we expect a certain thing about other investments or purchases that we make. For an example, if I go out and buy a new car, I get given a service manual. And in that service manual, it says, do the following things at 1,000K, at 10,000K, at 20,000K, at 50,000K. And we religiously take our vehicles in to have our vehicles proactively serviced. And the reason why we do that, right, is to ensure that we aren't inconvenienced by it breaking down on us. Because breaking down means you're going to be inconvenienced, it's going to cost you more to get it repaired. There's just no good outcomes from you breaking down, from the car breaking down. But yet we accept that that's how we operate as consumers. Well, there is the same service manual that exists for consumers. Why isn't the industry more focused around that? I think part of it is the way it's constructed. People are paid for the time they're spent. And the shorter time they spend, the more patients they can see more money they can make. It's still a business at the end of the day. It's still required to generate revenue. And so I think, and, and there are, there's lots of talk about the industry moving away from a fee-for-service into more outcome-based reward model. And I think the industry will make that progress. But as a consumer, I certainly don't feel adequately empowered and have access to the things that I need in order to enable me to be in more control of my own health, my own healthcare journey within the provider network. It's, I don't know how much it's going to cost me. I don't know when I'm going to get paid. A whole range of things that are just not a good experience from a consumer perspective. And yet other industries where they think hard about the customer and the customer journey, they focus heavily on changing that experience, making it easier, more transparent, better for the retailer, for the consumer, for, the, for that retail experience. And I think healthcare needs to make that transition. And with the advent of technologies like myhealthfirst.com.au and other consumer-oriented systems to improve the way we engage with healthcare, we're going to see a continuing evolution and progress down this path. And I suspect that progress over the next five years, let alone the next decade, is a significant transformational one. Tell us more about the role of technology in that transformation in driving a lot of that consumer engagement in this process. Putting you in control as a consumer is kind of at the core of this, which is, you know, if you want to provide a better experience for the consumer, then the consumer's not got to be in control. We talk about patient-centred service delivery but the industry if you have to draw out a kind of a scorecard on progress that's been made on becoming patient-centered as a healthcare industry and i hope i'm not being too cruel but i think the scorecard would be lucky to get one or two percent out of a hundred as progress has been made that's how far I think it still needs to be achieved. Sure, some sectors have done really well in some aspects of it. But overall, I think there's a long way to go. Good news is, I think that the internet is now in the palm of your hands. Apps are now in the palm of your hands. The problem is that, you know, if you, I don't know how many apps you have on your phone, Pete. I'm an app junkie, is I guess the best way I can describe it, because last time I looked, I had 400 apps on my phone. 
I didn't even know how to see how many apps I have on my phone. I really want to. There's too many on there. And every year or so, I go through and purge 100. Next thing I find, a year or two later, I'm back up to 400 again. And I download apps to see what people are doing and what kind of experiences they have. But from a healthcare perspective, what I find, again, is a problem is that there are lots of different apps to do different things. So there's no one app that I can go and do all the things that I want. There are multiple apps. I mean, as an example, in Australia, if you want to do something as simple as book an appointment to see a GP, chances are you'll find yourself booking through multiple apps to do that. And the reason is, although COVID is kind of missed with this because we're all working from home, but the reason is because we work in one place and live in another. And so we actually have, more often than not, a relationship with two doctors, two dentists, two physios, to massage therapists, to pharmacies that we go to, because we work and live in different places. And as a result of that, you find yourself having to interact with different mobile apps in order to be able to do the things you want to do. And, you know, multiple apps do similar things in our phone, and I kind of you know, pull my hair out with that and go, how is that creating a good consumer experience? I mean, sure, if you're really tech savvy, you can navigate through all that quickly and it's okay. The vast majority of people are not tech-savvy. And frankly, from a healthcare perspective, convenience, simplicity, transparency, trust, they are kind of some of the core things that you want to know are true. And they're not currently true of the way the industry is evolving. And so I'd like to believe in a future utopia where our systems are more interact cleanly and where I can access all things I want in one or two or three places, not in 15, 20 or 30 places. I have to have 10 or 15 or 20 logins and passwords and all that other stuff that goes with being able to access private content or secure secure information. And I think therein lies a really interesting challenge from a consumer perspective. Think about your online purchase experience now. You've got PayPal, Afterpay, OpenPay, all these online payment systems. You've got Shopify and other kind of systems. And what's interesting is when you now go online and purchase, you're getting a very similar experience in the better online stores that you're going to. And it kind of feels like one kind of experience. Everyone's now got to the level in that retail space. They're all performing at a reasonably good level. If you're not performing at that level as a retail business, chances are your online sales are pretty crap. I think healthcare is going to have to go down that path and healthcare businesses are going to have to start thinking about customer service and the online customer experience. I genuinely am concerned and worry for the healthcare providers and their team because they've already got a lot on their plate. If you've ever spent time in a GP practice or a dental practice or a optometry practice or any of those kind of healthcare locations, the complexity of technology they have to deal with today has already increased significantly. They too aren't necessarily tech savvy and they're certainly not companies or organisations or small businesses that are focused on providing a you know, good customer service, which is not uncommon for small business generally, which is providing good quality customer service and a good consumer experience and requires a certain kind of expertise. And so I think tech can play a really huge role in helping deliver some of that. 
but there does need to be a fundamental shift and change in the way that these businesses think and the kind of experience that they have and the kind of technologies that I think they're inevitably going to find themselves having to embrace to start addressing this question of how to be proactive rather than reactive. And thinking about then that particular point, you've alluded to the fact that a lot of technologies exist within healthcare and we've been on this journey for a while and you're certainly not the first to point out some of these disconnects and multiple platforms and everything. Is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Is there a pathway that we're seeing towards future that's a bit more streamlined or focused on the consumer? Are there some advancements that are transforming the way we're doing things in health that we can look to now? It's happening. I heard one of your podcasts, I can't remember now who the gentleman was, but I really liked the points he was raising. The points he was raising, I think, is that unlike in retail and even banking, and people think of banking as a complex environment, healthcare is significantly more complex. And I absolutely agree with that observation, which is that there's complexity to the systems, the interoperability between systems, the kind of data that's being captured, the metadata that sits beneath that data and how complex that is. And so I do think that there is complexity here that doesn't exist readily elsewhere in probably any other industry, I would suggest. And I think that's contributing to why it's probably been slower to advance but it is and it will advance. And so AI is probably going to have the biggest impact in healthcare in terms of helping transform that experience for the consumer in a healthcare environment because AI helps manage that complexity. And I think that's a real issue from a consumer point of view and from a healthcare business perspective, which is there's lots of underlying complexity here with the systems, the data, et cetera, the interoperability, you know, all that stuff. So I think as the industry evolves and as AI starts to become much more readily used, more trusted and more reliable. So I think the Digital Health Agency in Australia, for example, has got a really pivotal role to play in helping enable that. And I'm not sure that what's currently happening and the way it's currently evolving, that it's necessarily focused on facilitating all of that in, I think, quite the right way, but it is complex. There's no doubt. There's different stakeholders with different needs and interests. Yeah. And you're touching on a point that I wanted to go into a bit further too, which is about some of those innovations like artificial intelligence or anything generally in terms of applying innovation to healthcare or to technology that surrounds it. And doing that in Australia, have we got the right kind of environment to be fostering the kind of innovation we need within the country in your perspective? As you've been talking, I've been thinking to myself, what do I really want to say here and how do I really want to express myself? And I think The truth is, if I need to be honest here, and I think I need to be, and I think the industry needs to be, is we are so far away from having created the kind of environment to help evolve that level of innovation. It's not funny. And I think it's a joke, frankly. The country's ecosystem for technology innovation on a global scale should be regarded as a joke because it truthfully is not an environment. I mean, the fact that anyone can succeed here at all is remarkable. You look at what's happening in other parts of the world, Silicon Valley, Israel, Israel and elsewhere, there are some really 
top-notch ecosystems being created for technology innovation, properly supported with funding mechanisms in particular. And we just don't do that here. We expect startups to succeed on smell of an only rag and have access to the kind of technology infrastructure and expertise that enables them to succeed. And we don't have that yet at all. We're so far away from it, it's not funny. And I don't see evidence that our governments are doing much or really understand it. In fact, I was reading a book some months ago now written by Malcolm Turnbull of all people. And there's one line in there that I really, really found fascinating. And it was where he commented that when he became the leader, it might have been when he became prime minister, I can't recall exactly which role he was in at the time, but he was certainly a leader of either the party or the prime minister. But as he looked around himself and looked at all of his cabinet ministers, both at a state level and at a national level, he commented to himself and went, there is no technology experience in government at ministerial level in the country. And I think that's part of the problem is that we don't have the right people with the right background and skills to facilitate and enable that. You understand that you get it, you really appreciate what's necessary. And I think that is certainly a contributing fact to why I think the level of innovation in this country in tech generally isn't as advanced and as progressive as it is elsewhere in other countries. But healthcare is an important area and one that I think we now hopefully can make some real inroads in. I look at some of the more, I guess it depends where you look, right? There's information or reports that show investment in early stage startups or Series A and Series B investments in Australia over the past 10 years and the numbers getting bigger in terms of the number of organizations that are getting funding or the number of unicorns that we're seeing out of Australia, more broadly just in relation to technology. And then we see more recently... There's been commitments to funding innovation in healthcare from the Australian government that looks to then broaden over a longer period of time. So it kind of sounds like there's work that's going towards, is it fair to say that we're so far off? Like, yeah, are we moving in the right direction, Klaus? Nah, it's all bullshit, frankly. Pete, excuse the expletive, but it really is all bullshit. And the reason that is simply this, to provide a startup and claim it has been funded because in a Series A raise, it's raised a half a million bucks or a million bucks or two million bucks, does not provide a startup with the adequate funding it needs to actually build, evolve and innovate, create what it wants. Instead, what we do is we create these startups with these potentially brilliant innovators and founders behind them. And what we do is we stick our foot on their throat and we strangle them to death because they are forever fighting for the capital needed to actually grow and support their businesses properly. The notion that what we do in this country is Series A and Series B and Series D in tech, at those numbers, is just pathetic. You go to the US and a Series A round, minimum 10, 15 million bucks, minimum. In fact, if you're only getting that, they kind of go, well, what's wrong? Why aren't you raising more than that? So they fund their startups in a very different way with very different numbers attributed to them. And sure, there absolutely is this tension between 
scarcity. And so having less access to resources can create better innovation sometimes. That kind of interesting balance between you can have access to too much money and too much resources and actually go nowhere versus have access to nothing and be the most innovative in the world. And the best example of that on the planet is the Wright Brothers who were the least funded and most successful and got off the ground, and then there were others who had lots of money and couldn't get off the ground. So there is that kind of tension. But the reality is we in this country do significantly underfund tech startups and as a result find many more fail because they haven't been properly supported. It's funny, when you used that example, I thought you were going to talk about my private school education and the amount that I squandered in that. And yeah, compared to public school education, people would be much more successful through that process. But you're right, there's a lot of work to be done there. Look, starting to close things out, Klaus, because we could talk about that for a while, but I wanted to just think about, we've got all these apps now. So this is the situation that we're in. We've got 17 different apps to use to book a doctor's appointment and all these other kind of solutions on our phones but there's emerging technology that's potentially giving us a way to consolidate things. What does this future look like in terms of all these platforms and where do we go from here? Consolidation. Put simply, we have so many point solutions out there. A solution to solve this problem over here, another solution to solve another problem over here. But the truth is that they are all solving the same overall problem. And so I do see these businesses being merged together as part of a solution to solving the problem, putting more of these companies together so they can build and evolve the right kind of integrated platform that gives the consumer the experience they want. And coupled with that as a counterbalance, if you like, is more of a plug-and-play industry so that I can more easily integrate or plug into my app and my platform, my systems, that good widget that someone else built that I can easily adopt and implement. And we don't do that either because we are so focused on being proprietary. I hate that expression in technology, by the way, proprietary. Proprietary is like the evil of all interoperability and the likelihood that we can actually get systems collaborating and working together. You know, like seriously, it's so unfortunate. We're getting away of ourselves. I get the commercials behind what drive those behaviours, but I think in healthcare, we need a better method, a better way of being able to pull these systems together and provide the right kind of experience for consumers. It'll be interesting to see where we are in the coming years, and my guess is where we'll see consolidation. Telstra Health are kind of doing it. I'm uncertain about whether they'll ultimately get to where they are. They're having another crack at it, the second wave or the second coming, or call it what you might, like from a Telstra Health perspective. The notion of what they're doing, I understand, and, and I think I probably even agree with the notion of what they're trying to do. Whether they'll ultimately achieve it, I don't know, but this whole idea of if I can pull all these systems and businesses together and create wire interoperable environment that makes the journey and the experience for the consumer and the healthcare provider super, faster, better, cheaper, and that would be a good outcome. But there's a lot of complexity that needs to be solved there. And so I do worry. I do worry about how the industry is evolving, especially when one of the interesting other examples of it is practice management software systems. There are 120 in use in Australia across the different healthcare service modalities. That sounds like a big number until you go to the US 
and realize that in just the United States of America, so not North America, just the United States of America, there are apparently over 1,500 practice management software systems. Each state has their own set and each service modality. So in GP, there are, I don't know, eight or nine in use in Australia. In the specialist market, there's another 10 or 15. In physio, there's another three or four or five or 10. And in America, that exists for every state. Every state, every time when you go from one state to another, there's a whole new ecosystem of systems you've got to collaborate and work with. That long-term can't possibly be the future because if that is long-term, the kind of environment we're creating, then I think that becomes an inhibitor to the kind of innovation and the kind of evolution and development that I'm talking about here, which is to really bring transformation to the consumer and shift the industry from being reactive to a proactive industry and genuinely empower the consumer with the tools that they need to be in control of the off-can journey throughout their life. And we were all now, supposedly, I was listening to a podcast on the weekend that kind of blew me away, which was this guy, his name escapes me now, who has offered a million dollars to the first person to reach the age of 123. Okay. 123. The oldest person on earth apparently reached the age of 122 in six months, which I didn't know. That, that blew me away. He, yeah. he now says, and he's right, that while 90 is what we think of today as the current new norm, the truth is 100. All of us getting to 100 is more likely than not. Yeah. We need better systems, better process, better apps, and a service that is more transparent and more efficient in helping us proactively if we're going to have a good quality health span or life while on this earth. And um, I think that's the, that's the opportunity for health tech. And the healthcare industry, I think, is increasingly open to understanding and adopting these new systems and processes. Change is almost difficult when there's so much that goes inside a healthcare practice that's tough. And helping make their life simpler has to be a good outcome for everybody. There's some good key messages there, and I've got a new goal in life to live to 123 because that's my new retirement fund there, although it might be a little bit late by then. Look, class, it's always great to talk about all these different things. And whilst it seems like there's a lot to achieve, I love that central core message of the consumer focus and then it flows from there. So lots we can work on between now and when we next catch up. And I look forward to doing that again soon. Class, thank you so much for your time. Uh, pleasure, Pete. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out talkinghealthtech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. Listener.